Beginners to stage. Beginners to stage. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Backstage at Cry Havoc. I am your host, Lurie-Anne Davis, she, her, and today we are talking about gladiatorial games. I'm so pleased that I got that out because I've been struggling to say that word. Joining me today are Amani Zardo and Dr. Emma Southern. Please, would you introduce yourselves with your pronouns and give us context of how you were involved in Cry Havoc? Let's go with Amani first. Hey, I'm Amani, she, her, and I'm the director of Cry Havoc. And I am Dr. Emma Southern, and I was the historical consultant on Cry Havoc, um, although I don't think anyone asked me any questions about gladiators, so uh, I take no responsibility for any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't feature that heavily in the show, really, do they, no, Amani? They They're in no. one episode. Yeah. It's just a bit of an exciting topic, I think that I personally am curious about. It is one that you get asked about a lot, especially because I wrote a book about Roman murder and Roman death. And it is something that when people, I think, think of the Romans, like just the pure horror of the idea of gladiatorial games yeah. means it's something that sticks in people's head. And plus everyone's seen Gladiator. Yeah. yeah. Is it Gladiator, the film, that cemented the connection between gladiatorial games and Rome in the public mind do you think i would say probably yes that and the story of spartacus so the Mm -hmm. kubrick film spartacus but since cinema and cinematic kind of displays of rome you get a lot more people talking about gladiators than you did before because they're really hard to put in books and have it sound exciting but they look great on film yeah (laughs) so (laughs) interest in them is kind of a product of the 20th century but it's good because they're fun to think with and they're such an interesting part of roman culture that evolves really strangely and then is really a part of just the high Roman culture that we think of like it's not that ancient as far as a lot of Roman stuff goes it is a thing that comes out of the Romans being really rich and having loads and loads of prisoners of wars so oh good (laughs) what I was about to say until you said that was that I'm so excited about finding out about all of this (laughs) I guess the first question what's their origin where did they come from do we know we do well we know what the romans said was the origin of gladiatorial games which is that they originate as a way of commemorating people at funerals so they start as just two guys like soldiers or prisoners or slaves fighting to death at a funeral oh wow (laughs) and it possibly evolves out of something much more ancient and etruscan but that's where it starts and like original games and gladiatorial fighting comes as part of a funeral you have the procession you have somebody gives uh, the speech and then uh, then two lads have a fight <laughs> i kind of love that i think that's a wonderful way to like get all the angst out of a funeral just by yeah. like i mean if there was less less death again like that seems like yeah. funeral plus uh, plus extras <laughs> but yeah plus entertainment yeah. stage combat would be preferable <laughs> i feel but yeah yeah just a good wrestle in the dust very nice <laughs> And then basically, as Rome gets richer and expands its borders and there's more and more people becoming very, very rich in Rome and in high Roman culture, it starts being that they start trying to one-up each other. So if that guy had two gladiators um, and they fought for 45 minutes, I'm going to have 
four gladiators. And then if that once somebody's had four gladiators, then somebody has to have eight pairs of gladiators. And then it just escalates until you've got people who are putting on a whole thing that they're inviting half the city to. And there's going to be 10 pairs of gladiators and two groups of gladiators. And it's a whole afternoon of entertainment. And then it just escalates and escalates from there, basically. Wow. And then it... (laughs) Yeah. And then it becomes folded into... Um, public games uh, I was going to ask was it ever a public thing or were there leagues or I don't know I'm trying <laughs> to like make a football analogy I think but it started as private so it starts as private and then it gets folded into like as Rome is becoming a big superpower it gets folded into this idea of public games which are a way of basically honouring the gods and they are essentially you have like beast fights in the morning so that's basically like hunting in the arena so that's when you get out an elephant and and some people fight an elephant or bear baiting or basically they kill some animals and they do some nice theatrical killing and then there's the lunchtime executions oh my god um, which escalate in their own way that we won't go into Um, oh and then after (laughs) you don't want to know do we have to get your book to find out (laughs) yeah buy my book (laughs) and then the afternoon is like the the highlight which is the uh, gladiatorial game and you will have several bouts and there'll be some which are one-on-one and then some which are groups so five on five or seven on seven and there's various different types of gladiator so there's the light armed ones who have very little armor and small weapons so like the guy with the net that you might have seen Mm -hmm. um, or a guy with just a sword of some kind and then you have the heavily armed ones who are the ones who have lots of armor and bigger swords or javelins or the trident and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and you will always have lightly armed against lightly armed or heavily armed against heavily armed i guess that's something yeah (laughs) because the point of the game is closer to like boxing or wrestling but with horrible weaponry Mm -hmm. in that what you want is a good match up between two people who are of similar skill level of similar stamina nobody wants to go and see like i think in the book i said no one wants to see manchester united play the renford rejects like (laughs) (laughs) that's just not fun for anybody (laughs) it's not entertaining to watch someone get stabbed to death and so you want to watch two people who have a huge level of one-on-one combat skill who are going to fight and there's going to be suspense and they're going to go back and forth until one of them basically is either too injured to continue or surrenders, at which point they may or may not die. And is that the you know the famous thumbs up, thumbs down moment? That's the famous thumbs up, thumbs down. Is that real? <laughs> it is real. We don't know which way is which because the only reference that we have says the turning of the thumb. Mm. The person who runs it is called the editor. And it was so hard when I was writing the book not to make just a series of jokes about editing, <laughs> having power of life or death. <laughs> yeah, so one way or another was life or death. And the person who was in charge of the games who would put it on would decide basically on the basis of what the crowd was saying. And quite often the gladiator would live. Um, and they kind of estimated that only about 20%-ish would end in them actually being kind of killed by their opponent but if they were killed by their opponent then there it would be a knife through the neck and it would be quite bloody and spectacular but the thing with gladiators are very expensive and take a lot of training and you can't just like grab a guy off the street and get them to do it 
you own them you feed them you house them you train them they do get really famous they can be worth huge amount of money and so if you let them die all the time yeah (laughs) or if you let a good one die every time he lost a match then it would be a massive waste of an investment more than anything so they do survive more than people think they do Mm. so they were owned by the people who are putting these things on yes or would someone maybe have a gladiator and be like oh, I'm going to enter you into this match that my friend over there is putting on. Sometimes there are gladiatorial schools, which is where most of them are. So they mostly exist in... So there's like the Neronian gladiatorial school is a really big one in Capua and people own them and they will own like a large groups of them basically and they will live and work in these schools and then they're hired out for occasions so loads of what we know about like how gladiatorial stuff actually works comes from Pompeii because you can't really emphasize how popular gladiatorial games were like they really were sort of so hugely (laughs) popular with all people and there's loads of graffiti in Pompeii of gladiatorial matches and their outcomes with little drawings of them and also posters that were put up so it would say things like um, you know Spiculus from the Neronian school will be fighting here on Thursday (laughs) wow and you know 14 times never defeated that kind of thing so if you're in a town and you're putting on some games for whatever reason to celebrate something or for a part of a festival then you go out and hire some good gladiators from somewhere and in satires and stuff you get people complaining about bad gladiators like two for the price of one gladiators Um, (laughs) like elderly gladiators or gladiators who just won't put on a good show at the time i just i feel the need to not like it's so oh my god it's it's like so strange to me that we are talking about human lives and like it's we are yeah oh my gosh i can't quite get my head around it and it's almost like a nervous laughter like what it is it's quite hideous the only th- you can yeah. either laugh or just weep into a bucket like when you start to think about raven yeah. slavery then you are looking into a terrible abyss and you do either just start weeping immediately or you have to start laughing at the sheer absurd yeah. size of it yeah there were free gladiators, mm. I will say that. They're more than written sources like you to believe because being a gladiator could be quite cool uh-huh. and you could get a certain amount of fame and rewards and, you know, people called your name and loved you and you'd get free stuff when you went into shops and things like that. So like kind of like a celebrity. Yeah, very much so. They are treated as celebrities to a certain extent. <laughs> like, you know, like sports stars, it's just what they are. Yeah. And endorsing products and saying you know Marcus's hot food bar is the best place to go it's the only place that I'll get my hot one I love it I love it yeah like the most famous gladiator that we know is a guy called Spiculus who see we know about his first ever match because he wins a fight against a 14 time undefeated champion on his first match (gasps) and then kills him at Pompeii and this is such a big deal like it's his first match and he comes out of nowhere and then he seems to get a bit of a reputation for not really letting people survive like when someone's losing like he's gonna kill them <laughs> and when these things are Roman Jews they have sports memorabilia so 
one of the things for sports memorabilia that they have for gladiators is glasses with gladiators on them celebrating their most famous wins. And we have a bunch for Spiculus, which will have pictures of him blown into the glass, like fighting, and will show like the killing blow. That's so skillful as well. Wow. Yeah, it is. It's really impressive. And eventually he became the Emperor Nero's like pet gladiator. He became so famous that Nero gave him a house and set him up with you know concubines and things and let him live in enormous luxury and then when Nero was being overthrown and he wanted to die he asked sent a letter asking Spiculus to come and kill him and Spiculus just pretended they didn't get it wow (laughs) really yeah yeah I guess actually because even if the emperor like if he had asked you there are going to be people who are like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can't killed. just kill the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So he just sort of pretended they didn't get it. It does not end well for him because he's so associated with Nero by that point that oh, he does yeah. get executed. But he has this amazing career as a as a gladiator who is just gets to live this life of insane luxury as a triumphant, glorious sports star, basically. Like the Lionel Messi of his day. <laughs> amazing. Do we know how old he was when he died? We don't unfortunately we know how old some of them are because we have quite a lot of tombstones like epitaphs and they tend to live until they're in like their 30s or 40s they don't have hugely long lives that's short even in roman context is it that's short even in a roman context yeah because it's a tough life Um, and a lot of them die of like head injuries and things like that Mm. i guess like and at the time medicine isn't like as advanced as it is now so even if you don't die in the field you're gonna be left with some serious consequences Mm. yeah a lot of big old head injuries and broken bones that you have to wait to have healed and things like that yeah yeah it's a tough life but some people do choose it like they do choose to go into it which baffles the people who write roman sources who are like elite roman men who are frightened (laughs) of spiders but (laughs) (laughs) i'm imagining lepidus writing (laughs) or gaius (laughs) Yeah, Gaius wouldn't. Like, Gaius never lifted a sword by himself. (laughs) (laughs) When people are writing about gladiators, they don't understand what they're getting out of being a gladiator, which is something. I guess if you've already got all the riches and the stuff without having to fight for your life, yeah, you wouldn't understand, would you? Because I suppose compared to a lot of choices that people faced in Rome, that might actually be worth the risk if the alternative was... If the alternative is destitution, and some people choose it as a punishment because a lot of gladiators are there because they are condemned to fight as a gladiator for x number of years or be executed oh, wow mm-hmm. so it has a possibility of survival which crucifixion does not yeah, yeah. <laughs> would they sentence people who weren't fighters as well is it like well good luck fishermen <laughs> you know (laughs) it's hard to know but probably what you want is a good game so you're probably going to be sentencing the guys who look like they are Hmm. like that you feel it would be a waste to crucify them (laughs) god it's so grim the romans are so awful as a culture they're terrible um the idea that we looked up to them is baffling to me because they do do these things but yeah so they will send people that they think might maybe put on a good show if they can learn how to fight and do the training and learn how to wield a sword in the right way and to be entertaining so for the schools who were the teachers were they like famous gladiators or were they soldiers or generals or was was i suppose gladiatorial fighting is quite different to like 
warfare it is because you have to be entertaining at the same time it's not just how quickly can i stab this guy it is how can we fight this in like the right way basically so it's going to last longer than 30 seconds and so it's going to be a show you're given like your position as a gladiator and then you are trained by ex-gladiators ex-soldiers that kind of thing to fight defensively and entertainingly Mm -hmm. uh, against the person that you will almost always be so mamillos are always against thrax for example so you'll always be learning how to avoid the net how to get underneath this how do you do this in a manner that is going to be skillful but will make it so it's worth people's Mm, money yes right that was going to be my other question so people would pay tickets like for a football game or a boxing match or something actually they probably wouldn't because they're normally put on by a person so they're either put on by the state as there's like five big games a year which are religious festivals but they're mostly put on by a person for a reason so like julius caesar has a big one in memory of his father and stuff like that or there's like people have triumphs and then have big gladiatorial games they're the person paying for it so that's your client basically but if you sell them you know, I'll give you 10 pairs of gladiators and they'll give you two rounds each and then one of them comes over, falls over immediately and gets stabbed, then they're going to be like, why did you give me such a rubbish gladiator? Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, 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 I see what you mean. <sighs> yeah, so it's that's your client is the editor and the editor is going to be someone who has a lot of money and because it, all of this is political theatre as well. This is the bread and circuses that you are giving to the Roman populace mm-hmm. to make them love you. And so if you put on a really good game to them, like if Gaius puts on a great games, then people are like, oh my God, he knows how to pick a gladiator. He knows how to stage an execution. He knows how to provide snacks. This is, <laughs> I love him and I will support him in his effort to murder everyone around him. Love it. Is there any documentation of people who weren't into it? Like in general society, because it's <laughs> like I'm just trying to get my head around the mentality of a society that is like, this is an excellent pastime. Yeah, really, I feel like this is actually so not that different to boxing, or even like something like American football. I mean, I think last yeah. year there was an American football. I don't know that much about American football, <laughs> but my brother loves it. But I feel like last year there was a an American footballer who had a horrific head injury where he went into a coma. And they thought he might have died. I think actually his heart stopped or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and then he was right back up again because he had a contract to fulfill and he needs to provide for his family. It's, I, I Actually, I find it like actually not that different to what goes on today. It's a more extreme yeah. version, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, it's the same impulse, I think, that, uh, it, that attracts you to it, which is that you watch American football not because it goes on for... We're gonna alienate everyone who likes American football, but it goes on for what feels like seven hours, and there's only about fourteen minutes of people running. Yeah. Um, but during those fourteen minutes, a lot of really big men are gonna bang into each other really hard, yeah. and they're gonna like flip over and fly around, or like wrestling. Like you know, that's managed to be safe, but a lot of it is people being thrown around on their heads and big men being skillful and hurting each other Completely. entertainingly yeah and and causing each other you know boxing wrestling american football they all have problems with yeah. long-term brain damage yeah with the people who do it but yeah what you have is philosophers who don't mm. like it very much so seneca writes a lot about how he finds it morally problematic and he writes a lot about the 
kind of grim downsides of being a gladiator and so he tells us a lot about like gladiatorial suicides and things like that which i wouldn't recommend reading to be honest it's very depressing but he he does not love them he's a stoic so he's coming at it from a stoic philosophy and he thinks there's a lot of you know loss of control and screaming and shouting and blood and he finds it all very base and unpleasant and so you do get kind of these intellectual somewhat academic writing about how unpleasant that but he also doesn't like you know people drinking in the streets and he thinks that they're all sort of very low class and immoral in that fashion. So he's not a great advocate really <laughs> he's not a great advocate i agree that it is very similar to boxing and american football in that sense yeah but yeah it, i guess you know there aren't executions at halftime no there are not executions at halftime and there are also not the expectation and possibility that someone will be cold-bloodedly yeah. stabbed. Yeah. And also, regardless of what certain footballers like to say, they are not enslaved. And some of these people are there against their will. A yeah. lot of them. Like, the reason that it expands so much and becomes such a hugely popular part of uh, Roman culture and, like, a common thing that people can go and see is because they mm-hmm. have prisoners of war. And so many of the gladiators that fight are people who are captured on the battlefield or taken from their homes around the Roman Empire as Rome conquers places or in order to, you know, if someone has a rebellion somewhere, then they're going to take all the eligible men as prisoners of war. And a lot of those are going to end up in gladiatorial schools. Gosh. You know, that's how Spartacus ends up as a gladiator or in a gladiatorial school. So a lot of them are not there by choice. And for the, you know, top, much as with sports stars, the top, you know, 10% or 2% are getting huge benefits from it. But there are the bargain basement ones. There are the ones who are playing in the small leagues. There are the ones who can't command money or who just aren't very good at it, but are there anyway, who are either expendable or not getting anything out of the fact that they're being sent out to fight over and over again, except that they just hope they're not going to die, basically. And you do get Seneca writing about these these suicides, these people who go to great lengths to end their own life and the ways that people who own these men try to stop them mm. from killing themselves Gosh. for the ones that there are ones that choose to do it there are ones that get huge amounts out of it but it's a very different experience if you can choose to be there and you've signed a contract but you can walk away if you're not enjoying it than if the only way out is to uh, die yeah i i keep thinking like something that keeps popping into my head is that um like a republic that just keeps accruing lots of people it's quite a good way of getting rid of them isn't mm-hmm. it like we've got all of these people that we've it enslaved is. all these people that we've taken as prisoners of war and it's like well let's chuck them out the games yeah and and we can do it in the most spectacular yeah. way like julius caesar because he is incredibly good at inventing ways to kill people <laughs> he invents the idea of having mock battles so you get lots of gla- prisoners of war and gladiators and you dress them all up as you know like people from legendary battles and then you make them run each other and then they introduce mock naval battles so then you have he builds like these pools and they're fighting each other on rafts so you everybody can watch like great battles between rome and carthage Uh, because they genuinely and this is what i'm saying about the like the abyss of roman slavery it just is endless and horrific like they have so many it's so normalised to them and they call it war commerce and it is a great perk as far as the Romans are concerned of warfare but they have to feed them now and they have to do something with them and so there is just this kind of endless ways of trying to entertain free people by 
disposing of unfree yeah. people in various horrific oh, ways. God. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think this is going to be any less of a depressing question, but just, you know, we've taken it as given that it's all men. Yeah. Any female gladiators? Are women watching it? Women are watching it. There are female gladiators. Ah. There was a lot of debate for a very long time about whether female gladiators are real, but I think everyone has generally come down on the idea that there were, but they're generally sent out as a kind of novelty act. Yeah, I wondered that. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll do things like send out people with giganticism or people with dwarfism, and women are considered within that as being effectively somebody with a physical disability which is that they're not men and Mm. therefore they're kind of sent out as comic relief to a certain extent you do get things like because the other thing that is associated with gladiators is roman free people do like to go to the gym and so you do get things like train like a gladiator kind of (laughs) at the bars and so amazing you do get these kind of yeah handbooks on and things where they've been know how to do build your strength by lifting increasingly heavy stones and things like that and so there are people who are kind of looking at gladiators in that way as well as like a physical specimen to to emulate gosh Sometimes you just feel like nothing is new, like everything's been done before. I can imagine that there's probably a group of people alive now who may even already do that, like subscribe to the gladiator (laughs) diet. There 100% are. Although the physique of a gladiator is not one that is particularly fashionable now because they're not like lean and cut and like muscle where you can see every muscle like you see in Marvel films now. They are big men with pads of like fat and they're they're quite carb heavy meat heavy diets to so they're big strong i'm trying not to be thirsty on this podcast but i'm finding it increasingly difficult (laughs) tell me more about big strong men yeah like i kind of i think that r.i.p ray stevenson who played pullo in rome who died a couple of weeks ago uh, that kind of thing is what we're talking about like big men who are wide and have you know and are sturdy mm, burly yeah. yeah lovely lovely <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna move us on <laughs> and there are lots of things like because like gladiator blood was used in magic and things like that um, oh wow of course it was yes. really yeah wow usually for aphrodisiacs and things like that like classic of course yeah <laughs> Of course. I wanted to ask if there was any way that gladiators... I mean, you talked about gladiators sort of getting perks and also, like, endorsing products or um, restaurants or whatever. I was wondering if there's anything that... Like, I I don't know, like, I was reading an article about A-list musicians today doing, like, elite gigs. The private parties thing, yeah. Yeah, private parties for billionaires. Like, is there... Is there a sort of equivalent where it wouldn't be for like the whole populace, but like for a private party? And I don't know, like, would it be a fight or would it be <laughs> something So else? what you do is you hire gladiators as your bodyguards. Ah. So that's the version of the private for, <laughs> for gladiators is that you get hired as a bodyguard by somebody famous. During the late Republic, actually, gladiators were like the period slightly before Cry Havoc when Julius Caesar is on the rise and you have 
uh, all of the mobs around Milo and and that and they're kind of all of they're basically they're all gladiators like so all of the politicians are surrounded by gladiators partly to protect them oh. because there's so many murders happening but also it is a sign of wealth and status that you can hire these men to spend all of their time with you and that you can hire them to perform for you right so because they weren't allowed to have like the army wasn't allowed to be in Rome itself so I suppose no. that was a way of kind of circumventing that by having a pack of big exactly. burly men yeah so you can't you. have soldiers mm. but you can have gladiators and so a big burly <laughs> men walking around and everybody knows that they're good with a sword and they've seen them fight then it's a good incentive to keep people away from you and also to beat your opposition into voting for you. Would they be active in the arena as gladiators while they were working as bodyguards? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, well done, you've retired, you've graduated from being a gladiator, now you can just relax and be a bodyguard. No, because it's still part of the job. You're being hired out by the person who owns you or owns your contract. And also... For most of Roman history, like gladiatorial games are not something that are happening on a weekly basis or possibly even not even on a monthly basis. They are um, definitely five times a year, but other than that, they're fairly sporadic. So there probably are pretty big chunks of time when there's nothing that much on the horizon. So you may as well keep making money and keep your skills up by threatening some plebs. Would they have something like, um, I'm trying to relate this to like pop culture. (laughs) Would they have things like autographs or like, I don't know, like some piece of armor that they fought in a famous game and and then is sold off that we don't know unfortunately oh Oh, i bet they did (laughs) i feel like if people were taking their blood and their hair and their sweat for stuff and were buying memorabilia for them then probably but it is basically at its core it's a kind of capitalist enterprise so it's going to be whatever the person who is in charge of that person's contract whether they're free or enslaved whatever they think they can make the most money out of like is it going to be better for me to sell this person's breastplate or would it cost me more to have another one made Mm. (laughs) yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah, because you know mass production does exist but it's still everything is still handmade and so things cost money of course yeah maybe like after they died though yeah you know cynically you'd be like oh well might as well (laughs) sell the breastplate they wore when they died yeah. or when they killed this other person yeah wow fascinating yeah. yeah fascinating we are coming to the end of the episode so i guess appropriately the final question that i'll ask is when did the games end do we know like did they fizzle out was there one big final one <laughs> no they fizzle out basically along with a lot of like classical roman stuff as the empire becomes christianized they fizzle mm. out and they are mostly supposedly attached to roman religious worship so the big games are religious festivals and all of it is surrounded by this religious iconography and and sentiment and it's all supposed to be religious and so as with a lot of stuff as christianity becomes the legal religion then the dominant religion and then paganism polytheism gets outlawed then things associated with it also become outlawed and as time goes on because christianity is so interested in the individual soul and individual kind of redemption they don't love the idea of 
apart from Jesus, like the idea of people being sacrificed for other people's entertainment is not something. And there's a lot of Christian writing about how the games are evil. And so they hate the games like on a theological level. And then when it comes like somebody has to still be paying for it. And so gradually through like the they're still going in like the fifth century, but on a much, much smaller scale. And then as the Western Empire kind of fizzles, they fizzle as well. And they are not something that carries over into the like post Roman kingdoms at all. And then the east of the empire loves chariot racing way more than they ever loved gladiators uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and so chariot racing in byzantium and constantinople is a huge thing to the extent that there are very famous like week-long riots that occur over the teams at the chariot racing Whoa. and they become just like constant ridiculous levels of fandom occurring (laughs) over oh my gosh that is amazing technically the chariot racing is always like that would be the premiership sport like that's the one that everybody loves the very most really but gladiatorial games kind of come to equal it almost in the west but they never have the same lasting joy that chariot racing has because it's fast and exciting and people are falling all over the show and... yeah. i was gonna say i'm sure people have died in that as well <laughs> oh, sure. did the animals ever win sorry that's a really <laughs> random one uh probably not i imagine actually i can think of at least one time when the animals won but it was an attempted execution um, and this is oh. in the life of saint perpetua which is in carthage in north africa they attempted to get a boar to spear one of the christians yeah. as part of his execution and the boar turned around and speared his handler oh, instead yes go oh. that, which was taken as a sign from god for obvious reasons but so occasionally people definitely did like they would bite the wrong person <laughs> but as a general rule it would just keep going until you know the giraffe or the elephant mm. or the rhinoceros or yeah, i i want to end on the boar winning yeah we'll end on, on that happy winning. note please. sometimes the boar yeah. gets to win sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's problematic that I'm like, let's just think about the one nice thing about that, shall yeah. we? <laughs> this is wonderful, so fun and fascinating. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's one of those things where this, you start to think about like the implications for the entire culture are horrifying. But I think that's kind of what makes it interesting. Yeah. And also, like, it's simultaneously so relatable. Like, you can imagine. And I feel like, you you know, if we were alive in the Roman Empire, we probably would go, even if it was just once, mm. to see what was going on. I don't know. Yeah. I've never been to a boxing match, and I have no desire to go to one either. No. But maybe. <laughs> there almost certainly were, you know, loads of people who weren't interested. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, recently having the coronation. Like, I didn't watch coronation never really watched any royal stuff i didn't watch the funeral or anything like that like got no particular interest but what will be remembered in history is that the entire country came together and watched yeah. it and the only thing that will be recorded is the people who were interested really and so there's probably yeah. you know solidly 50 percent of the population of Rome we've got never been to a triumph not interested in anything that augustus is doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. like not going to any games to be bribed by some bloody praetor <laughs> but their opinion because it's an absence of opinion basically it's just it's gone yeah <laughs> mm. yeah so this is you know it's hugely popular but there are people who probably didn't give a damn Thank you so much, Emma, for basically just talking as Amani and I fire questions and go, ooh, wow. (laughs) My favourite thing to do, so. Oh, well, this is excellent news. (laughs) 
anything you would like to plug we have mentioned your books and your podcast that's true so i'm going to mention them fully by name so my podcast is history is sexy with my colleague janina and we answer people's history questions that they don't want to spend the time googling or reading like hoking through loads of academic papers themselves and my book about roman murder is called a fatal thing happened on the way to the forum i feel like what amani and i have done is kind of a version of your podcast really isn't it where we just ask you all yeah. the questions yeah <laughs> literally um amani anything you would like to plug i've been working on the show called cry mm. havoc everybody please listen to it it is out oh, it, now. It, do you know what it is out now and my mum has listened to it and she loves it she's listen to the first two episodes oh, and loves stop. it so if that isn't praise enough to make you go listen to it listener i don't know what is that is big <laughs> yeah that is big it praise is, yeah indeed so thank you Lois. <laughs> <laughs> thanks mammy <laughs> thank you everyone for listening thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed we hope you're enjoying cry havoc ask questions later and we will see you next week goodbye everyone Bye. goodbye thanks emma thanks Lori. Backstage at Cry Havoc is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international license. It is directed by Armani Zardo, produced by Laurie Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner. This episode was edited by Laurie Ann Davis and Meg McCalla. Thanks for listening. <laughs>